Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that virtually, at least, travels the length and breadth of the country to bring you the most important stories in the property world. And today we're paying a visit to the regional hotel sector and asking whether a strong year of activity so far will continue through Christmas and right into next year. No one could have ever dreamt of London being as quiet as it was. And what's actually happened is people have actually looked outside of London to the regions and thought, wow, what value that is. I don't think we'll see a significant structural shift, but I think that staycation demand will still be there and probably be up on what we saw pre-COVID. Values haven't dropped off as much as people would have expected, and that's been supported by strong underlying trade and particularly in the leisure-led sector. I'm Guy Ruddle and I'm joined by three people who between them have spent more years than would be delicate to mention checking out the UK hotels market. Tom Cunningham is a director in the Hotel Capital Markets Division at Savills and a specialist in the regional hotel and leisure market. Hello, Tom. Welcome to Real Estate Insights. Thank you, Guy. Nice to be here. Ross Connolly is a director of hotel valuations at Savills. He's been sizing up hotels for major banks and the like for the best part of 20 years. Ross, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Guy. Pleased to be here. And Marie Hickey is a director of commercial research and no stranger to Real Estate Insights, although you've been away for a bit, Marie, having a baby. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been good to be back. And it's lovely to have you back. So let's get stuck into this. Tom, let's start with you, if we can. Should we just get a sort of definition of what we mean by regional hotels? We would say that it's everything outside of the M25. So uh, the far reaches of uh, Scotland, England and Wales, um, but everything uh, outside of the outside of London, really. So in cities and uh, in on on the co- uh, anywhere, really, anything can be anywhere. Although you know, t- typically the corporate hotels would sit outside. Um, so the city centre hotels, we we tend to deal with the the more rural uh, locations and smaller towns. And uh, Ross, we're talking uh, leisure and business travel type properties as, as well, are we? Yeah, absolutely. Everything from, you know, small coastal hotels up to, you know, large conference hotels in, you know, the major UK cities. Yeah. yeah and, and everything in between. Now, I sort of hinted, uh, Marie, earlier that at the beginning that it had been a good year so far. H- how good? Uh, well, I suppose it depends if you talk about transactions and operational performance, both of which have been very good uh, for the regional hotel market. So, I mean, just looking operationally, um, regional RevPAR for September was actually above September 2019 level. So really good, strong year. A lot of that driven by, you know, the staycation demand over the summer months. Um, but I know Tom, even on the investment side, has also been yeah. very strong. Yeah, I mean, we, what we found is that the, uh, the 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 buyers are largely cash buyers. So even when there's struggles to get finance, um, the you know, a lot of the buyers can can fund these transactions with cash. And there's and there has been a lot of activity. Has I mean, I imagine it's a lot better than last year because guess what? Last year was 2020. But but compared to sort of previous years before that, how, how good has the market been? It's it's been very good. I mean, last year was good when we were allowed to do viewings and as lockdown eased. Um, and this year has been it's been very strong. Um, I, I like to sort of soften it slightly by saying it's not easy. 
and um, it, things are taking a lot longer and they are more more difficult to get across the line. But, you know, we've had a, a good, strong year and the, the demand is very strong. Um, in actual fact, the, the problem that we have is the shortage of supply. Is that right? So there's lots of money out there looking... To, to be invested in hotels. Yes, and I think part of that's driven by the fact that having had such a tough time during lockdowns, the hoteliers are now enjoying a period of, of boom time where they've been able to, last summer has been a particularly good, strong summer for trading, and therefore they've been able to to make some some money um, during a, a much better trading period, as, as Marie said, you know, due to the staycation market. Ross, in terms of, of valuations in a, in a market like that, you know, it's interesting that Tom's saying you know, there's lots of activity because it's there's, it's a really good time at the moment. But but do people value hotels based on current activity? Or, you know, if you have one good year, does, it, does, the, does the value of a hotel go up on the basis of that? Um, I think, well, every, every hotel is different, Guy. And, uh, you know, each each hotel you've got to look at on its, in its merits. And I think what what investors are looking for is is long term sustainability so the question the key question for investors at the moment is does the staycation boom in the last 12 to 18 months is that sustainable for the next you know 10 years i think the investors are confident about the the, the uk market the, the staycation uh, change in in consumer behavior um, and I think you know that is being reflected in in some of the pricing that we're that we're seeing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think ultimately in values, I think that the values haven't dropped off as much as people would have expected, and that's been supported by strong underlying trade and particularly in the leisure led sector or yeah. the segment of the market. And Tom, has there been much distress out there? In a word, no. Um, there's been very little distress. I think the government support has done what it set out to do, um, and the, the the distress that has been has been probably would have happened anyway. COVID tipped it over the edge, maybe, but um, there, there's been very little as a result directly of COVID. So let's have a a, a conversation then about what um, Ross has just been saying about whether the strength of the market is going to carry on, and, and Marie. From your point of view, with your research hat on, you know the things that Ross was talking about—the staycation, obviously—is a big thing. Do you? I mean, you could look at it lots of different ways. Couldn't you? you could say, well, international travel is going to go open up, so people will go flying again, or maybe they'll stay at home because of ESG and you know being more responsible. Where do you see it? I, I don't think we'll necessarily... That was a sigh and a half, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Is it a hard job at the moment? It's very hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having a toddler as well. Um, well yeah. it's, I, I don't think we'll see a return to pre-COVID, essentially. I think I don't think we'll see a significant structural shift, but I think that staycation market has, once borders reopen, I think that demand will still be there and probably be up on what we saw pre-COVID. So, you know, which is great news for the regional market. But of course, you know, when borders reopen, we're also going to see international tourists come back into the UK. So that should offset any sort of decline in sort of domestic leisure demand. Um, But, you know, there's lots of other issues to sort of take into account, you know, inflation rising, what does that mean in terms of people's disposable incomes? And actually, does that mean that they'll see staying holidaying in the UK as a slightly better option obviously ESG flying abroad you know 
very topical at the moment. So again, that might be another driver of you know people wanting to holiday in the UK more often than what they probably did historically. And Tom, the other part of it is you know actually running a hotel at the moment and sort of weirdly being really busy. I mean, certainly from my experience of of talking to hotel groups uh, around the country, which I do a bit, uh, they're they're saying, you know, it's great that we've got so much business, but boy, is it hard to to service that business. We can't find staff, wages are going up, all that sort of thing. You know, that that running a hotel is getting harder, right? Uh, it is at the moment. Um, you know, the staff issue is a is a big um, is is a big problem, um, which you know at the moment there's no real end to. Um, but it, it you know it will get easier. Um, yes, there are challenges. But what I've seen at a lot um, in my experience in the in the regional hotels is a lot of these hoteliers have therefore pared the business down and they've stopped doing. You know, stop providing certain services, maybe evening meals, um, and as a result, turnover might have decreased. But interestingly, profit has increased, so they're actually working smarter, not harder. Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether or not, as we return to normal, whether or not those changes in practices continue, or whether or not they revert yeah. to the, the previous um, wider service. And I think the staff availability issue was happening pre-COVID, even pre-Brexit. I think what's been interesting, we did a survey of operators and what they said that with the lockdown, obviously not great in terms of trade, but it did give them that opportunity to look at how they ran their hotels and how they could do it more efficiently. So as a result, they potentially coming out a little bit stronger and that's showing through in terms of margins. Ross, is it, is it a, a market, an area where there is a lot of innovation going on generally? I, I One imagines being a bearer of very little brain and even less knowledge that actually it's not, but maybe I'm wrong. No, it's a great question, Guy. I think um, hotels uh, um, traditionally are very slow at innovation. I think that's you know partly due to the structure of the ownership across the UK. But um, yeah, technological innovation um, tends to you know, tend to drag drag their feet quite a lot, um, and um, we're quite slow, really. Generally, if you compare to say the airline industry or you know some or the retail sector where we've seen you know huge advances in technology you know use of QR codes you know um checking in on your phone we see that in pockets but it's it's you know it's by no means um off the ground yet at all and uh this is maybe a difficult question i think any question to a valuer is a difficult question right because it uh, we want definitive answers and there never are any but you know uh uh, Marie was talking about ESG uh, uh, a while ago. Is there a premium in valuation terms on you know a hotel or an asset which has actually got itself into a position where its you know its carbon footprint is lower, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, yeah, so you, I guess you're like a green premium, if you like. Um, and I think uh, we're not we're really not there in in the hotel sector. I think in terms of a good example. Um, of those types of properties, what we have seen actually is as is more um, green loans from banks. So there's preferential interest rates, and there's quite a few examples of that of properties where they have a very strong, um, uh, you know, energy rating, energy efficiency rating, where they're they're able to negotiate better loan terms, um, and take advantage of these green green loan schemes. Um, so that is something we're seeing much more of, and I think will be a real incentive for owners to invest in these um, initiatives going forward. Mm-hmm.
we haven't really separated out so far the sort of leisure market from the business travel market. Do you look at them as one market? No, we would, uh, you know, we'd look at each hotel and yes, we would separate out the leisure and the and the corporate side elements of it. You know, a, a hotel in in a seaside resort will have business trade as well. And largely a hotel in, say, Manchester city centre will have, you know, and at the moment, Manchester's a good example where the leisure trade is what's, you know, really keeping it, is the stronger part of it. Yeah. Um, and then some cities like Liverpool where, you know, they are almost predominantly leisure and so on that, on the basis of that, I mean, in terms of cities, are, are there sort of particular cities where there's more activity and, you know, and, and it's a sort of like hotspots or, or, or something? What we've seen, you know, post lockdown, it's definitely the more coastal, uh, smaller market towns that have definitely performed better. But that's because, you know, people are going, you know, where's nice for a week or a long weekend. So places like Bath, York, you know, Edinburgh has performed very well. Um, and markets down in the southwest, again, Cornwall, Devon, Dorset, you know, for the obvious reasons. Um, I think in terms of the investment market transaction-wise, I yeah, don't know if that's the same. Yeah, largely. Coastal and country has been what, what attracts most attention and where most of the demand is. Um, I would say last year, city centre was difficult um but this year that's become a lot easier and certainly for the more leisure dominated markets so we we, we had a number of sales and lettings in liverpool in the last year um and in actual fact that's now translating into manchester this year edinburgh glasgow um birmingham you know we are seeing more activity but but just i think the key regional cities you know from an investment perspective even though while it's the coastal and small performed very well operationally I think longer term, the regional cities, key regional cities, will still be attractive to investors. Um, you know, like Tom was saying, you know, Liverpool, Manchester, it can pivot both to a leisure and corporate demand when that comes back. And obviously, there's potentially more increased opportunity in those markets as well. I mean, the, th- the thing I noticed, and I don't know if this is worthy of mention, but no one could have ever dreamt of London being as quiet as it was. And what's actually happened is people have actually looked outside of London to the regions and thought, wow, what value that is. Um, now, you know, London's strong enough, it will always bounce back. But I think people have opened their eyes to returns they can get in regional cities. Yeah, so there's the same investors, right? It's, they're not so, You don't get a different investor in the regions to, to in London, for instance. Uh, you, you, you can do, yes, yeah. But I think that some of the London investors have now looked outside the M25. So how long do we think, or how much do we think, this, this sort of surge in regional hotel activity and valuation and all that stuff is going to go on. Because, you know, there's this figure that 63% of hotel transactions, I think, in the in this year or in the last quarter have been in the regions, not in London, and that's quite high and everything. But on the flip side, two big, two, part of that is two big deals, right? So, so how real... How much of a real figure is that 63%? And, and, and where's it going to go next, do you think? I think next year, I would expect regional to still account for a sizable share. I think the issue, and Tom, Tom mentioned as well, is, is we do have an issue in terms of lack of stock on the market. That's probably the biggest issue rather than a lack of appetite, um, which does make it quite hard to predict yeah. <laughs> where transaction volumes are going to be next year and particularly as some of that stock hasn't come to the market yet 
but also I think that sixty three percent is a you know as a percentage is a is a almost a dangerous figure, isn't it? Because what what tends to happen is the regional market is fairly steady in terms of um, value, uh, and that percentage may may decrease, but that's only as the value of sales in London increases. Right. Yeah. So this longer. Yeah. It's 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 not a competition. No. 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 And, yeah. and I think also you know the the regional market actually is quite steady. Um, and you don't get huge peaks and troughs. And I think, you know, as, as Marie says, I think it'll depend a bit on on trade um, and, and how, how they do fare operationally. Um, but I think, the as, as you mentioned before, the insolvency might have a, a large part to play. Yeah. I think I think as part as some of the government uh you know support initiatives of the last 18 months start to, to fall away. We've we've seen an extension of those um but over the next 12 months, you know, some of those are going to start to fall away. There'll be more visibility on trading performance which banks will be looking at and making decisions about whether they continue to support the customers. So um you know that will force people to make decisions about sticking you know stick to be stick or twist effectively um and then we might see more activity across all all, all, all segments really So listen we can't leave this without doing our, our relatively new feature, the, our replacement for a Savile Standout stat, which we used to do when you were last on, on Marie, but we've changed that now to, to a thing called Tell Me Something I Don't Know. Uh, and I'm liking this. It's, it's uh, just a little nugget of, of, of information, something that we haven't mentioned yet that, that, that might make you go, oh, wow, that's interesting. Uh, where should we start? Let's, uh, I mean, let's go around the table. We're going to go from right to left. So, Ross, we'll start with you. Uh, what, tell me something I don't know. Yeah, so thanks, Guy. My stat is about um, ESG, and I think it's just a very important topic right now with COP26 and everything. So, um, so my stat is about uh, the built environment is 30, represents 39% of all CO2 emissions, and hotels as a segment is one of the worst performers uh, across all property segments, including offices and industrial, in terms of energy usage. Really? Yeah. Uh, Tom, tell me something I don't know. So to demonstrate the the strength of demand, um, Savile's hotels in September and October this year alone received £1.9 billion pounds of bids. Really? Mm. Hold on. Does that mean, so one, just to be clear, one hotel could you know, get four bids. Yeah, so, but it's still, that's a big number, right? It is, yes, yeah, in, you know, in, in two months. Just say that again, one point? £1.9 billion. Pounds. Uh, Marie, tell us something we don't know. Uh, I mean, we talked about um, staff availability and, you know, what that means in terms of wage costs. I think it's important, while it's an industry issue, it's not universal across all parts of the hotel hospitality market. So in our survey that we ran with operators, while nearly half of hotel operators said that staff shortages was severely impacting their business. At the other end of the spectrum, for service departments, which have a much lower staff requirement, it was only 17%. So you can get quite a significant disparity. So I can tell tell you that, because you weren't looking at him, that Tom's eyebrows went up when you said that. So so that is definitely something that we didn't know. 
So there you go. It's working. All of you, thank you very much for that. Thanks for your time and, and thank you for your wisdom. That's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If you want to delve deeper into this topic, you'll find plenty to get your teeth into on the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk slash research. Uh, Marie's uh, thing about um, staff shortages in the survey, that's on there. All sorts of other things on there, much else besides. Uh, in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. See you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.